Uh, it's great to be here with you today. Now, I have a question. How many of you have a cell phone? Now, I'm actually an Android user, right? Where are my iPhone users? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, ask Pastor Matt. He's been trying to convert me ever since I uh, uh, started here. But with my phone, I, I'm pretty... Uh, I love my phone a lot. Uh, it's my lifeline. Uh, without it, it has my calendar. Uh, has, I can call my mom anytime, anywhere. It's great. I'm a mama's boy. Um, <laughs> and in fact, uh, who knows where uh, Mi Rancho is? Anybody know where that is? They kind of heard it, right? Glens Falls, South Glens Falls. Uh, well, a couple weeks ago... Uh, the pastors and I said, hey, let's go to Mirancho. I said, okay, uh, I'll be there soon. I had no idea where it was. Like, I was like, oh, okay, Google, like, where's, where's Mirancho? And it took me right there, which is great. Now, there is there's one thing that I don't like about my phone. Well, two, if you count, like, battery life. That's always going to be a battle. Uh, but that's when you hear the ring, ring, answer, right, hello, congratulations, you've received a free cruise to the Bahamas. It's like, oh, you can respond to that different ways, right? You can wait, then go through all the options, all right? Press one for English, press two for Spanish, press three to get off the call list, three every time. Uh, I even saw a Facebook post um, a couple months ago about someone receiving 12 telemarketer calls in one day. Now, that would get me really frustrated. The most common for me, however, is uh, debt forgiveness, which is ironic because I don't have any debt, so they're, it's literally pointless. Uh, accident forgiveness or school loan forgiveness. I guess in my age demographic, that's the most common. Uh, but it's not true forgiveness, right? Usually it's, it's hey, you know, we'll pay your school loans and then you pay us, you know, triple what you're paying already. I mean, it'd be awesome, right? Because, hey, here's all your debt. We'll pay it all. You know, no questions asked, nothing. That'd be great. But it's not true forgiveness, uh, so I ask you a question, where does true forgiveness come from? So you can write this down in your notes, true forgiveness comes from God. And that's what we're going to talk about today is uh, forgiveness and how forgiveness can actually bring great freedom to your life. So first we're going to define the word forgive so we know exactly what we're talking about. So the word forgive means to wipe the slate clean, to pardon, to cancel a debt. And lastly, to set free. So another question is, why do we forgive? So when we wrong someone, we seek their forgiveness in order for that relationship to be restored. Now it's important to remember that forgiveness is not granted just because a person deserves to be forgiven. Instead, it's an act of love, mercy, and grace. Which is what the Lord has done for us, right? Just two weeks ago, we celebrated Easter. Jesus paid that price, that debt that we owe due to our sin. He forgave us all, and now we're free to experience great freedom in Christ. So let's open up to Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. Now just for some context, this is a parable of Jesus, uh, one of the most popular parables uh, in the Bible, and he's speaking to these religious leaders, okay? Verse number 11, and he said, this is Jesus talking, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, father, father. 
Give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. So the younger son saying, hey, give me my inheritance now. Verse 13, not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country, and he began to be in need. Right? So that was really quick. Right? He went to Vegas, blew all of his money. Right? It's over. Verse 15. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. So he's at rock bottom. He has no money. He's working a bad job. Okay, I worked at Walmart as a cashier. This is way worse than that. Now, in the meantime, uh, when Jesus is sharing the story during this time, someone that would feed pigs, I mean, that's the very, very bottom. That's the bottom of the totem pole. I mean, really, it was looked down upon. If you did that, you're like, hey, stay away from me because you probably smell really gross. Verse 17 But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. So he's kind of planning his forgiveness speech and even to the point of saying i'll be a servant not even your son now verse 20 and he arose and came to his father but while he the son was still a long way off his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him and the son said to him father i have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, I love this, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Wow, right? (laughs) So not only did his father forgive him, but he went out, welcomed him, forgave him, and celebrated him. Verse 25. There's someone else we haven't met yet. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. Right? There's a party going on. And he called to one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he, the servant, said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he had received him back safe and sound. But he, the son, was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, begged him to come back. But he, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, 
you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So this is how the parable ends. We don't know what would have happened next if the brother ended up forgiving and then coming into the party, or if he just stayed out and stayed grumpy. So there's three characters in this story that really represent a different side of forgiveness. Now two experience great freedom, and one does not. So first we're going to talk about the younger son, and this is the asking for forgiveness portion. So we're going to walk through the story once again in a little bit more detail. So back up to verse 11. And there was a man that had two sons, and the younger then said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he, the father, divided his property between them. So in this time, the older brother would get two-thirds, and the younger brother would get one-third of all the possessions of the father. Uh, So just think about that for a second. Younger son went to his dad and said, Hey, Give me one-third of everything you have right now. And it was probably some things that the father could have been using because he was still alive. Uh, so how many dads would love that suggestion right now? Right, your kid comes up to you and says, Hey, can I have a, a third of everything we own right now? now who's, who's signing up for that right now? Anybody? No hands? What? Selfish. I don't like it. Now, not many days later... The younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. So not only did he ask for what he shouldn't have, but he took it and ran. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And when he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. He's at the bottom. He's already wasted everything that his father graciously gave him. He doesn't know where to turn. His funds are out. His fun has run out. Reality starts to step in. He's in a hole. He's stuck. How many of you have been there? before. I've been there before probably too many times. It starts to weigh on you, doesn't it? You start to feel trapped. So we're going to learn that that he has to recognize his sin. That's what we need to do. We're in this position. We need to recognize that we have sins. So there's two questions that we can ask to help us kind of get to that point. So the first question is, what was that sin? And the second is, who was it against? So that first question, what was the sin? Sometimes that's really obvious. Sometimes, maybe not. Sometimes you may have to ask the person you may have sinned against, hey, did I do something wrong? They said, yes, you did this. And the second one was, who was it against? Again, you may know exactly who it was. Sometimes you may not. So he... Verse 17, but when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. 
treat me as one of your hired servants. So he's realized, hey, I've sinned. He realized who he was sinning against, and that's what we need to do. Realize that we're in sin, then one, stop sinning, and say, who, who have I sinned against? Who have I wronged? Who did I hurt while doing this? There's the three things he said. I've sinned, he's no longer worthy, and please take me back even as a servant. So that's the next thing we need to do. We need to ask for forgiveness, and I put in there, humbly. Because we can ask for forgiveness in a not-so-humble way, acting like we deserve it. So the son was willing to go back to his father, but not even as his son. He was willing to give up that birthright of being his son to go back as a servant. He wanted to restore that relationship so bad, he was willing to sacrifice so much. So for us, it should be the same. If we want to restore the relationship that has been damaged, we have to repent and ask for forgiveness humbly. Acts chapter 3, verse 19 and 20. Repent therefore and turn back from your sins, turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Now I love that last part. Times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. When I think of being refreshed, I think of sleeping the entire night without any of my kids coming into my room saying, I need you to fix my blankets, please. That's, that's my... I get to wake up and say, oh, that didn't happen. But seriously, when I think of waking up, right, refreshed, it's a new day, nothing is holding me back, I'm free. And that's what happens when our sin is forgiven. Proverbs 28.13 Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. So you might be able to hide your sin even for a really long time, but it's always going to stay with you. That guilt's not going to leave, and even it's going to start turning into anxiety and just hoping that no one ever finds out. But, second part of that verse, he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Now there's two parts to that, right? There's confesses and forsakes. So that is asking for forgiveness and then turning away from that sin and walking away. Then you're free. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As I said earlier, we don't deserve forgiveness. Forgiveness is not granted just because a person wants to be forgiven. It's an act of love, mercy, and grace. I said that before, but I did that on purpose. It's not in your notes, but I want you to write that down. Forgiveness is an act of love, mercy, and grace. Now, if forgiveness is granted... Our last step is to be thankful if forgiveness is granted. You're free, and hopefully your relationship can be restored. Right? You can exhale and smile, right? <sighs> Isn't that how you feel when you've wronged someone? You said, oh, please forgive me for what I did. They said, I forgive you. <sighs> All right. Great. And you can go, and you're free. Um, Shay and I actually had some friends that celebrated and threw a party just because they were debt-free. 
which I thought was an awesome idea. Because all of that weight, it was gone. They were free. They were ready to celebrate. And that's how we can be too. We need to be thankful if forgiveness is given to us. And now it's our turn to show them that we have changed and to sin no more. So that's that first character, younger son, asking for forgiveness. And now to the second character, the father, and granting forgiveness. So now we're going to talk about the other scenario. We talked about asking, and now we're talking about granting. So verse 20, And he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion, and ran and embraced him, and kissed him. We need to be ready to forgive. Now the father was looking and waiting for his son to return. Isn't that so much like the Lord? Just sitting there waiting, wanting, desiring us to come back to him. If someone has sinned against us, we should act the same. We should be wanting, waiting, just please, just, just, just ask. I'll give it to you. Colossians 3, verse 13. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Another thing, we have to be prepared to make the first move. This is what the Father did. Not only was he waiting, but as soon as he saw him, he took off running. He was prepared, he was ready, and he went to him. And the son said to him, verse 21, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, by the way, he kind of cut him off. If you remember... His, his apology letter was much longer. He had another sentence or two, but he cut him off. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put, on, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. The last step that the father took was forgiving him, which that for us is that step, forgive them. And that means that the slate is clean. You can't hold what they did against you. And if anything, we should celebrate that they asked for forgiveness and then that relationship is now restored, or at least has a chance to become restored. Luke 17, verses 3 and 4, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. So if someone sins against you seven times in that same day, guess what? The Lord says to still forgive them. Ephesians 4, verses 31 and 32. 
Oh, I skipped. Hold on. I'm sorry. Hold on. Hold on. I was like, wait a second. Uh, Matthew six fourteen. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Now, the one thing that isn't mentioned is how difficult this may be. And maybe something really simple, right? Oh, I, I bumped you. I elbowed you in the face. I'm sorry, right? We're playing basketball. Elbow in the face. I'm sorry. Oh, we're good. And maybe something more than that, right? You go to the extreme, right? Hey, I've been cheating on you. Or, hey, I've been abusing our daughter. That's real life, isn't it? That's difficult. Because forgiving someone not only frees them, but it also can free you too. Because that can also be a weight against you. Right? If a husband is cheating on a wife, both parties are affected with a heavy weight. And it's only going to weigh you down until you forgive. And sometimes we have to realize that they might not even ask for forgiveness. They might not understand that, hey, this is okay. I know what I'm doing. That's difficult, isn't it? How do we forgive someone that doesn't even want forgiveness? We have to forgive them too. Because if we don't, it's going to take a hold of our heart and eventually it's going to turn to bitterness and anger and rage. But if we forgive them, we're free to walk and move on. Now our third and final character, right? This is the older son, right? We haven't really heard much about him until this time. So this is the, the dangers of withholding forgiveness. Verse 25. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. All right, so he's working, and all of a sudden he hears a party going on. And he, the servant, said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, right? Come on, what are you doing out here? Come back and celebrate. Why are you standing out here by yourself? But he answered his father. He said, look, these many years I have served you. I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. So he was upset, wasn't he? He was hurt. He worked for his dad, right? The entire time his brother was gone. He listened to him. He followed him. Where was his reward? Like, I did nothing wrong. You wouldn't even give me a goat to kill me with my friends. 
And what's interesting, he used the term your son. Not even my brother, it was your son. He was distancing himself as much as possible. He didn't even accept that he was his brother. It was all about him, wasn't it? Where's my reward? What am I going to get out of this? If we only focus on ourselves, forgiving others is impossible. If we only focus on ourselves, there is no forgiveness. Matthew seven twelve for real this time, okay? So whatever you wish others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Right? This is the golden rule. Do unto others what you'd want done to you. Ephesians four thirty one and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Now, the beginning of that verse in Ephesians, that's exactly what the older son was experiencing, wasn't it? Bitterness, wrath, anger, slander, malice. Which, if we're honest, that's easy for us to experience as well, isn't it? That's our first reaction when someone has sinned against us. Right? We hate them. They're annoying. Why are they even in my life? Get out of my life. I don't want to talk to you anymore. That's where he was. The second part of that verse, be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Now we've seen that a couple times, haven't we? Forgive because God forgave you. Now God has been sinned against more than any of us combined, more than anyone in the entire world combined. But he's always open and willing to forgive. He loves us that much. That's his nature. That's what we need to do too, is to forgive. Because if we don't, we're going to end up like this younger son or the older son. Bitter, angry, slander. Verse 31, And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. That's the Lord, isn't it? (laughs) Everything we own is because of what the Lord has done for us. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And really, that's all of us, isn't it? We've all been lost, and we're now found. We've all sinned, we've been forgiven. We've been offered forgiveness. If we don't forgive, we're only holding the other person back. We're only holding ourselves back. And there may be others that you don't even know about that you're holding back from freedom. Don't be that person. 
Now this brother, he was missing out on the celebration because he had all that bitterness and anger in his heart. So what could we be missing out on because we haven't offered that forgiveness to somebody? We could be missing out on freedom. Now we have a quick video I want you to watch. Um, It's about a church family member and her story of how forgiveness changed her life. Now it does happen to be, it is my wife, um, but you want to stay tuned um, and watch. My name is Shannon Langren, and this is my story of forgiveness. I was born into what most people thought of as the average family. From the outside, we seemed pretty happy, but on the inside, we had a lot of problems. My parents had over $200,000 in debt. My dad could never keep a job, and my mom had to try and pay the bills by running a daycare in our home. When I was almost four years old, my birth dad plotted and murdered my birth mother for her life insurance money. My brother, sister, and I had to move 550 miles away to live with a family we barely knew to start a new life we didn't want. Our entire lives were turned upside down because of one man's choice. Since I was so little, I didn't really understand the feeling of bitterness that was in my heart. But as I got older, I began to feel and recognize that bitterness whenever my birth dad was mentioned. And it didn't help that a lot of discouraging things were said about him. When my brother, who had graduated high school five years before me, went to the Word of Life Bible Institute, it became pretty clear that he was learning the power, necessity, and freedom of forgiveness. When I volunteered over the summer at the Word of Life Ranch, my brother and I shared a mailbox. My brother had been writing letters to our birth dad. After the shock began to wear off, my brother began to explain what he had been learning, the power, necessity, and freedom of forgiveness. He had written to our birth dad to tell him that he forgave him. I began to think about how I felt about my birth dad. I knew in my heart that I had to forgive him, and I knew it was not going to be easy. It doesn't mean that I have to have a relationship with him. And it doesn't mean that I have to forget or ignore what he had done. It only means that I should release him from my heart, that I should forgive him of the actions that he had done. The Christian girl band Barlow Girl and their song Sweet Revenge wrote, Forgive you, the only thing. I want to live, I'm ready to break these chains. Want to see this through, cause setting you free means my freedom too. I find I can't get free till I release this vengeance that I seek. If you didn't catch it, these lyrics are pointing out what most people don't want to admit. Holding a grudge against someone is putting you in bondage. Unforgiveness is a sin. When you do forgive, not only are you releasing that person from their actions, you're obeying God. You're putting your freedom in Christ in action. Forgiveness does not come easy. It's not a natural process, but by Christ and His strength, I've been able to, day by day, choose to forgive Him. Gradually, I've learned to love Him and have compassion towards Him, and now my biggest prayer is for Him to come to know Christ as His Savior. Now that's a powerful testimony. That's a difficult sin to forgive. 
Her mother was taken from her before she could get to know her. Now, I want you to notice something. She said that when she finally forgave her birth dad, she was free. Now, this was real life. This wasn't just a story. This is real life. She was free. And you can be, too. And it's also important, really, to strive and repair the relationship, if possible. Now, unfortunately for Shannon, just due to some circumstances, she can't. But what she said there at the end, my biggest prayer now is for him to come to know Christ. That's freedom. Even for him, he's in prison now. He could be free. So I want to ask you, where are you tonight? Maybe you're like the foolish son. You've wronged someone. You need forgiveness. And until you do, there's always going to be that weight that you can't get rid of. That backpack of bricks that you're holding. A debt that hasn't been fulfilled. It's time to take that step. And once you do, the only thing that's waiting is freedom. Now maybe you're on the other end. Someone has sinned against you and you haven't forgiven them yet. Whether they've asked or they haven't. Now we've seen with the older son, if we continue to not forgive, we have our own backpack of bricks that we're holding. It's going to weigh us down. It's going to slow us down. We could be going so much further if we just forgive. Maybe you're here, and this is the first time you've ever heard about forgiveness. Forgiving. I didn't even know that word existed. Now, God loves us and wants to have a relationship with us. But we're not perfect. I'm far from perfect. I probably don't even want to know how many sins I've done in, in, in the past. So because of our sin, because of my sin, that creates a barrier between us and God. That relationship is damaged. But as we celebrated two weeks ago, Jesus came to this earth to die on the cross as payment for all of our sin. And now he offers us forgiveness for everything we've ever done. Maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, you don't even know what I've done. I've done many wrong things. There's no way he could forgive everything I've done. I want to tell you that's not true. That's the lie from the enemy. God wants to give you freedom And it's only found in Him. So let's bow our heads in prayer. I want to give you the opportunity tonight to start, repair that relationship with the Lord. Now you can pray along silently in your heart something like this. You can say, Dear God, 
Thank you for loving me. I know that I've sinned. There's a lot of wrong things I've done in my past. But I know that because of your love, you send Jesus in my place to take payment of my sin. Now you offer forgiveness. I believe that Jesus came, died, and rose again. And I can't wait to grow in my relationship with you now. Now, if everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, I want you to take that first step of freedom and just kind of look up at me, maybe just wave your hand, raise your hand, to let me know that you took that step tonight. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, let's all go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, without you, forgiveness is impossible. Lord, I pray you give us boldness, the love that you have shown us. Just as you forgave, I pray that we can forgive too. And Lord, we know now that if we forgive, we have freedom. And we thank you for that. For all these things, in your Son's holy name, amen.